Perfect. So yeah. this podcast is dedicated to the Cunninghams, all the Cunninghams, and all the Palladichos. I agree. I think that's fantastic. And I think that anybody that watches The Godfather, the first thing that you're going to relate to uh, is family. There you go. It's so yeah. it's so important to the to the premise of the story. And then everybody else can dedicate it, if you're listening, to their families. Right. <laughs> us all right this is the st paul film cast we're back i'm nick i'm dan and uh we're gonna talk about one of the f- greatest family saga films of all time the, the godfather, godfather. Yeah. when's the first time you got to see it uh i saw it when i was a sophomore in high school okay and it was uh uh we just moved down here from uh um I was living in Moorhead, and and we moved down to South St. Paul. All right. And uh, I was sick, <laughs> so I had the day off. And uh, right. my uh, my dad just got one of those tape to tape players, sure. and uh, he had a buddy from back in Fargo, Moorhead, that would yep. tape off of HBO and then send him the movies. And so we had Godfather, and we had Godfather Part Two, and I already knew about the notoriety of the movie, and I was always right. curious. I never saw it, and here I'm. Right, of, this is before cable television. Right, where you can watch it or find it anywhere. That's true, All and right. uh, uh, especially for South St. Paul, that didn't get cable until the nineties. Right, <laughs> and uh, yep. so I threw it in, and. Uh, on a day that I was on a sick day, and I just fell in love with it. It was just such an easy sell. Uh, yeah, it's. I, I think of the first time I've watched it beginning and was required filming for a film history class. Oh, at the wow. U. So it was right when you get into the 70s of. And the unique thing about the 70s, we're going to talk about, because we have a lot to cover. I just want to speak. Yeah. Um, the fashionable sense was this look documentary of film right in the 70s right. make it look like you're actually witnessing as it happens like, it's like yeah. french connection i'm just popping in my head um the exorcist actually billy you know freaking um godfather does kind of have a little bit even though it has a lot of sense and tone yes that you're actually seeing it as it happens that's true uh a certain it, it was a perfect combination of gritty realism along with almost a operatic Right way of telling the story. That's a very fitting word. It's yeah. very operatic, it, isn't it? Though, and it, uh, it we can easily touch on that with the other films in this series, but um, it's uh, it makes its first basis in in the first film. It's it's larger yeah. than life. So it, um, I didn't mean to interrupt, but uh, since our last episode together, I did critique one myself. We've been beginning multiple reviews, and I just want to do a shout out of how many reviews we're beginning, and we greatly appreciate it. Oh, we it. really appreciate it. It is fantastic. Um, if you Thank can you. find us on iTunes, please give us a review. It helps out the show greatly. But That's um, great. Some of them, um, we have some reviews. Uh, here we go. I'm going to give them because we just um, – we go handle 3D waffle. I love that one. <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, thanks for your great info. Interesting stuff. You guys are fun to listen to. Um, we have Movie with the Mrs. podcast. Ah. Uh, they said, putting classic movies on your watch list. Don't didn't know what oldies to put on till this cast. Keep it coming. Oh. I like that. 
Uh, we have one named uh, David Cramphius. I'm hoping I'm saying this right, David Cramphius. This is a really cool podcast. They cover classic movies, something not a whole lot of other podcasts do. Oh, that's yeah. great. Um, we have Brookshire, one, two, three. And we have nicely reviewed, brought back memories of when I saw movies last. Best of luck and continue what to do best. Oh, well, thank you very nice. much. Um, we have one titled Films Are Good and President Tyler. <laughs> President Tyler. <laughs> that's the handle, President Tyler. If you watch movies and like podcasts, then what are you waiting for? Listen to the St. Paul Filmcast now. I hey. concur. Yeah. Uh, we have Prophecy, T-E-S, okay? Uh, very intriguing podcast with a thumbs up. Oh. Nice. Um, we have another handler, Gambit13. Can't wait to check out all the classics films with this podcast. Keep up the good work. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. We'll try. We'll try. <laughs> uh, we have one from a gentleman named Joe um, I'm hoping I say his name weekly. I hope I say his name yeah. right. Um, this is an awesome podcast focusing on classic films. Keep up the good work. Uh, we have another one, uh, Psych Out 2011. Perfect blend of classic and new films. A fresh perspective that I haven't heard before. Uh-huh. Oh, nice. Man. We have a uh, new friends, um, the Chatty Crafties yeah. podcast. Uh, That's right. A fun idea for this podcast. This would be a fun one to keep up with. Well, let's go, hopefully, we're going to definitely I subscribe to you guys, so I'm yep. going to be listening to you as well. Um, the Well Research Podcast says the hosts are super informed and the episodes are very well rehearsed. You can really feel their enthusiasm for their subject. Can't wait to see what movies they cover next. Oh, nice. And lastly, we have from the Basket Cakes Podcast, wonderful podcast, Basket Basket. <laughs> uh, they said, if you're into classic movies and are unsure, these are the guys to listen to. Keep up the great work. Wow. Thank wow, you very thank much. You. I would say thank you very much for the reviews. We really appreciate it. And if you're out there listening, you want to get us a rude, look us on iTunes and we'll certainly help out the show. Yes. Now, back to Godfather. Yes. Uh, what do you want to cover? Well, I, how about we cover how did how did it get how to get on Francis Ford Coppola's lap? Well, it's I think uh, to start from the beginning, right. uh, it, it came out of the mind of Mario Puzo, right. and uh, yeah. he uh, the movie first came out in seventy two. Okay, the and movie seventy two. Yeah. yeah, and it spans the years of nineteen forty five to nineteen fifty five. Right, and it's what we talked about. We talked about the first episode got with when a lot of these classic films are nostalgia pieces of times long ago. Right. The book was kind of what written like sixty eight, sixty seven. I'm giving it a little it, bit of window. Uh, it was it was written in sixty seven, and right. he all that Puzo had was like about sixty pages, and even before it was published, Paramount right. had the rights to it. So we and you know that's another aspect of because the last the last pod episodes where we've been covering movies the movies already been filmed before publication of yep. the book is so we've, we've noticed that there's kind of a trend yeah it's true right. and and so Puzo had kind of a, a, a sketched out idea of what he wanted right. and uh, Paramount said hey we'll buy this from you and uh Puzo said, well, how much? They said, well, with what you got here, uh, we'll give you 12500 And later, uh, Puzo mentioned at a talk show and um, said, you know, the reason why I was so quick to jump at it was uh, <laughs> I was in debt in gambling for $10,000, and right. it just was at the right place that. at the you know, right time. Right, a lot of things are <laughs> getting in my berries about it, but I heard that he had a horrible gambling problem. Yeah. Well, you know what's the problem is you're not winning. That's true. That's what yeah. is the problem, right? You know how to, you know, what do you have to first do to win big? What? Lose big. What are we yeah. doing? We're losing big. Nobody has a gambling problem and they're winning. Right. right. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That's right. 
So yeah, he, he, yeah. So Wally can get, uh, and then Paramount probably a young, young scrapper just was dump it onto him and make some quick money on it. That's kind of their concept, or what? Well, that's true. Uh, as I said before, Paramount Pictures originally f- found out about Puzo's novel in '67 right. uh, when a scout for the company contacted uh, Paramount, and the vice president uh, of Paramount. Uh, heard about Puzo's unfinished manuscript, okay. and at the time it was just called Mafia. Which, right, if you look for the title of yeah, the book, it's just called Mafia. It's, it was just called Mafia. And an uh, interesting footnote: nineteen ninety, uh, Jim Abrahams. Uh, that name may be familiar to you. Okay. He was a part of the group with the Zucker Brothers that did Airplane. And right, did, Zucker Brothers. It says yeah. produced by Zucker Brothers and then Abrams. Y- yep, yeah. and. Uh, uh, Abrams came out with a parody uh, about the mafia that was just called Jane Austen's Mafia. <laughs> so, well, I remember they did a, a was Mafia with the Zucker Brothers, yes. Leslie Nielsen, I think. Yep, and that's from, right. And okay. so, uh, whether he knew about the original manuscript by Puzo for The Godfather that it was just called Mafia, that's one for Ripley's. I'm not too <laughs> sure, <laughs> but right. um, but like I said, he agreed to the twelve thousand five hundred deal to finish the manuscript, right. and Paramount at first he, uh, wanted an Italian. Uh, to direct well, the film. Yeah, logical. Uh, a couple of years earlier, Paramount released uh, a movie called The Brotherhood with Kirk Douglas, and mm. it bombed. It was totally horrible. I have never heard of that. Yeah, really. and it, there's there's reason because, because of that. Well, uh, And Paramount's gut feeling at the time was The Brotherhood was not written, acted, or directed by an Italian. So they wanted an authentic soul, uh, true honesty for its representation of this movie okay and so it was very important to them to find an italian director and their first choice was sergio leone sergio leone was from italy spaghetti western yep he discovered well not really discovered he just kind of put in eastwood and that the, oh gosh just yes. full of dollars few dollars oh, more the good the yeah. bad the ugly yeah. uh once upon a time in the old west it makes you feel that you're sweating. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He, yeah, Sergio Leone, Sergio Leone, I'm ready for my, yeah, Sergio, I'm ready for my close-up Leone. Well, I think if he did The Godfather, <laughs> it wouldn't be a sense of quiet that you see now with what they have with Coppola. That's true. I think it would be very intense, overly gaudy. You would have. Now, I'm just, that's what I put in my very yeah, gaudy. That's true. You yeah. would have much more close-ups. Uh, forget, oh, no. yeah, yeah. yeah. Forget Nino Rota for the right. music. You're going to have Ennio Morricone. We would definitely see the mothballs in <laughs> yeah. my Brando's mouth. That's right. <laughs> oh, well played. All right. Well, the problem with Sergio Sergio at the time was he was actually working on Once Upon a Time in America. Oh, yeah. It's, okay. Which, if you think, was um, it Once Upon a Time in the West or was it Once Upon a Time in America? It was. I'm getting once my, upon, It was Once Upon a Time in America. Is that he, the Henry Ford? Um, no, that's I'm with. I'm getting confused. Um, that was with Robert De Niro, James okay. Woods. It finally came out in '84. Ah, this, yeah, okay. that's why. Yeah, yeah. now I, there were so many cuts of that poor film, and because right. uh, the, the company, the um, movie company, didn't have faith in it. And every director who saw the chopped up version, I mean, they 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 hardly ever put it on uh, circulation. They hardly for, ever. Yeah. Well. Uh, Leone's uh, first, we're kind of going off the, um, but this is really interesting. Leone's first idea was he wanted to make two three-hour films of Once Upon a Time in America. And uh, the 
studio said you can't do that, and he said, "Well, I've got f- almost five hours of film footage." I, I can fill a football stadium. Exactly, <laughs> and uh, um, and so um, the company cut it, and they yeah. cut it horribly, and right. every critic hated it in '84. And then it wasn't until a few years after. Uh, that Leone passed on, they showed the real version, the full version, Leone's vision, and everybody loved it. They thought it was great. And it's called the European Well, you just needed what we have now is like HBO or something like a movie channel to give you the time to do... You know, hours of yeah. To, yeah you need that kind of format. Time to do it. All right, it. so Serge Leone said they say no, he's no. busy. So I'm, they move down the checklist. And yep, I'm working on a film that's going to come out in 12 years from now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so after that, Paramount didn't care. I mean, yeah. the directors that they looked for were basically a who's who. They approached Peter Bogdanovich. Um, right. He was very hot at the time. Yep, he just he. Um, but he said no. He didn't want anything to do deal with the mafia, which I find really ironic, considering he played uh, Doctor Melfi's doctor in The Sopranos, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, he, he said he wasn't interested. They also asked Peter Yates, um, which I, I thought was interesting. Who later on, you know, made Krull. I wonder if Peter Yates, right. if he made The Godfather, if he still would have made Crawl. That's one for the ages, people. Yeah, discuss. Just, yeah, right. Discuss. That's one for the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they asked Arthur Penn, they asked Costa Gavras, uh, and they asked also asked Otto Perringer. So, Otto said no? He, he said no. He I'll was, say yes to playing <laughs> Mr. Freeze on television. <laughs> yeah. And right. you want to do a mafia movie? No. Yeah. Uh, it's All right. I'll, finally... play, I'll play Mr. Freeze on the Batman TV show, but <laughs> you want to direct this movie? No. So right now it's very kind of yeah, up it's in guy, the air. it's radioactive. Yep. People have been saying no, and Paramount's getting kind of nervous. And finally, P, uh, Peter Bart, he was a chief assistant at Paramount, suggested right. Francis Ford Coppola. Okay. Uh, he was a director of uh, of Italian and. Ancestry. Which, I think he had about eight yep. or seven films before he made The Godfather. Yes, he. In fact, he uh, was. He directed Finian's Rainbow. Finian's Rainbow. Uh, you yeah, know. Yeah. So there, there's. And one. he also, per, I think, produced uh, George Lucas's uh, THX. Yep. He produced at eleven. T, uh, George Lucas's THX eleven thirty eight. That's right. Yeah. That's one of the reasons, actually, that he accepted being a director because he was in debt for for doing that. Okay. He also made a film called The Rainmaker, which. Uh, the Rain People, I should the say. Rain people. Uh, Rainmaker he made later, but at the '69 he made uh, he made the Rain People, and uh, and it's th- an interesting footnote that they were college buddies, Lucas Spielberg and yep. Coppola, and actually did a lot of their own film projects together. That's so it's not funny that it was. It is kind of funny that Ian wants to become commercial selling. They also work together. In fact, right. they screen each other's films and stuff. Yeah, Lucas also worked on the Rain People too. And yeah. uh, it was one of the um, one of the first uh, projects of Zoetrope, which was his company. Yeah. And uh, James Caan and Robert Duvall was in it. Uh, that being said, I recommend Coppola's '69 film *Rain People*. Uh, you'll find some excellent performances by James Caan, Robert Duvall, and Shirley Knight. Uh, you would think now, you would think that hey, this director did horribly financial wise. Why yeah. do we want him? <laughs> why, right, because Paramount's like, we want to make money. Yeah. Right. Um, it was because Paramount wasn't uh, willing to put up the money to make Godfather. It's simply simply put, that's what it was. They wanted to rein in on the budget. Uh, I think this is a uh, a continual theme that we've throughout the, that Paramount t- 
I yeah. constantly try to cut money, not pay people it's, as Coppola is making this movie. It's true. Paramount was, they were nervous about large productions. They had a few of them. Darling Lily with uh, Julie Andrews, which uh, written by William Friedkin and uh, directed by uh, Blake Edwards. Um, just oh, fell, Julie Andrews' husband. Huh? Yep, fell yeah. right on its face and it went over budget. Blake Edwards is going to be really dynamite or just really awful. <laughs> or really, yeah, that's There's true. no middle with Blake yeah, Edwards. You don't have a oh it's a no right no Blake that's Edwards not with flick. him no it's yeah. either really awful or it's really dynamite right? I, I agree i agree that's a that's a good way of putting it yeah. and then also paint your wagon came out and that was that was a big budget success they yeah. just cut it cut even they that didn't make any money really bizarre it's a it musical is. Lee Marvin. Yeah, right. that's a good idea. Let's get Clint Eastwood and Lee and Marvin in a, in in a, a western to sing. <laughs> in a, a western to sing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's, All right. A, it's You have to see it to believe it. Okay, so Coppola gets it. Yeah, and Coppola gets it. The word in Hollywood is to be frugal. Frugal and Coppola at the time they thought would go together because Coppola was always on was always on budget and yeah. he was he was known to be on time. Well, when he's given the script, he looks at it and he was like, he, he himself didn't want to direct it. Oh. He, he said, have you read the book? It's trash. <laughs> <laughs> it reads like The Carpet Baggers. <laughs> now, The Carpet Baggers is a loosely based pornographic pulp trash written by Harold Robbins in 61. In fact, there's a lot of uh, films at the time that actually make fun of the carpet beggars because of the gratuitous sex in it. Yeah. There's a scene in the movie The Fortune Cookie where Jack Lemon yep. has, oh, yeah. has a um you can see him in the film. He's you know, he's lonely. He he crawls into bed and what does he read? He's reading the carpet beggars. Yeah, right. You know? Um so there you go. Um uh, it um yeah it was known to be pulp trash and it had that reputation. One of the interesting things that we talked about it when we reviewed this movie is actually the changing of dialogue in the movie from book. Yes. And the purpose of dialogue is emphasized. If you want to really be interested in film and film study and screenwriting, I would venture you have to sit down and just re listen to dialogue and how certain words are spoken. For instance, in the beginning of the movie where Luca Brazza says, I hope that your daughter's first child is a yeah, masculine, masculine child. Yes. Rather than saying, I hope, you're, you hope you have a grandson, I hope your first child is a boy, he's very trying to be very, in his own ways, be very elegant. He doesn't know how yeah. to. And there, that's why he's trying to be very elegant to somebody he's very nervous about. And he says, I'm hoping that your first, you know, her first child will be a mask. He's trying to be yep. smarter than he really is. Right, because he respects right. the... Um, the Godfather, and he wants the God, the Vito to think well of him. Yeah. And it's just the beginning of the movie. Also, the person who pleads his case in front of Vito, beginning of the movie, America's made him. I love America. Yes. But he talks about how these people um, disrespected his his daughter. Yes. Which is a nice phrase of elegance saying, they beat the crap and raped her. Right. We know that. But he's saying he's not want to use those words in front of the Don, the Godfather. He doesn't want to use those words, and he's trying to circumnavigate to make a certain elegance in front of this person that they disrespect, they, they violated her. True. And that is not in the book. And the book is very trashy. And Coppola is, is right. It is he, very trashy, And he yeah. spent hours, hours researching how to get dialogue to sound and feel the tone of the movie. It's true. Uh, 
Coppola was in San Francisco, Puzo was in L.A., and they both were um, pecking out the script. Yeah. And they were together. They kept in contact together. And um, Yes, this is not just Coppola saying, all right, I'm going to do it my way. He yeah. actually screamed, he actually solicit advice from Mario. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And for uh, both Coppola and Puzo, when writing the script, it, it, it's rather bizarre because Coppola wanted to have the themes of family and to have Italian mm-hmm. culture represented, you know, along with strong character development and power at the forefront of the film. Work. Right, and I think Mario wanted to emphasize the the violence and the Yeah, the violence. He, yeah. he wanted to retain this. Like, hey, look, this is my book. Yeah. You know, you may think it's trash, but it's my book. <laughs> well, <laughs> every, everybody has that sense. but That's true. I don't think if we just stuck strictly to the book Mario did. Oh, it would it, be a totally different film. It would film. be so cheaply. It would. It, it would, would be, be uh, I, I think it would have gone the way of the game that couldn't shoot yeah. straight or honor thy father or I hate to say it it probably would go the way of Paramount's previous film The Brotherhood yeah we it would be a footnote and you know it, it probably would have kiboshed Pacino Khan's Duval's career we probably wouldn't see much of them as now the interesting afterwards. thing about Coppola rewriting the script and the, the screenplay there is a video and I think I sent it to you mm-hmm. of Coppola having a huge enormous gigantic scrapbook it looked like a photo yes. album of 800 pages and it's simply him Critique and analyzing the book. Yes, and um, he. The thing is, is that whereas he he uh, Puzo wanted to uh, retain as much as possible, um, Coppola wrote. Okay, he he created a makeshift book where he tore scenes from Puzo's book, and pasted them in this book of his, and he then wrote notes around those scenes, which related to the themes he wanted, like how you were talking before. Right. And he would scratch something out saying, you know, hey, this is a little too vulgar. I want to I want this person to show eloquence towards Don right. Vito, yeah. you know, and, and to do it in that sense. And it's emphasized that how he was actually talking about how to make the film. Right. Because he has notes about Sonny beating the crap out of his brother-in-law in the street. Right. Don't move the camera very much. That, and there's a good note, when he, right? Because we wanted to see the large scale of it. Yep. But we're not going to be intimate about it. We're going to show this whole town's watching, and they're not going to participate. They're just going to watch. Yes. And the, yeah. what what's that going to do to you? Well, you're going to reflect on Carlo that, hey, you uh, you are streetwise, you know, right. and you think you have a cred, and that what's the main important word when it comes to the mafia? It's respect. Right. Well, Sonny is tearing that from Carlo right in front of Carlo's own neighborhood. Yeah, and it shows a whole scope of street. Yeah. The street respects him. The street cred. Yeah. It, it's totally gone. Yeah. And it's a beautiful scene. It really oh, is. Oh, it is. And it, everybody's made their own interpretation, you know, Simpsons yeah. did their own view of it, but the whole the whole water and everything. That's true. And, 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 well, you were the one the that yeah. showed me the scene of Lisa Simpson <laughs> doing that on The Simpsons. Yeah. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. I That was amazing. Uh, All right, we're back to oh, con- writing still. Yeah, by, yeah, that's what we're doing. And uh, um, during around certain scenes in this huge notebook that uh, Coppola had, he wrote down notes for Italian culture. Does this okay. represent Italian culture? Family loyalty, power, character strength, character weaknesses. Yeah. You know, and he wanted everything to be balanced as it went along because that was very important And it's not just, him. you know, Isolated just for Italian, I think right. every family has some kind of power play dynamic involved. That's that's, and that's true. Just, it's a natural politicking of where anybody, a group of five people, get together. 
Yeah. Even if you're in a band, even if you do a podcast, even yep. if you're in a family, there is certain kind of power plays and who's, you know, you want to figure out your hierarchies and yep. stuff like that. And this movie demonstrates a very hard power play. The youngest is going to get the power play, which is very, very... <laughs> You know, yeah. a strong, different dynamic we've never seen before. He he was nervous, though, on that aspect, on the um, Italian-American aspect, because he yeah. said, hey, I, myself, as an Italian-American, you know, they're either going to love it or they're going to hate it. Right. You know, and if they hate it, I'm going to be vilified by my own people, you yeah. know. So I, I want to show respect, but then I don't want to make a generalization i don't want to make a stereotype i don't want you know the um the italian american league coming after which me, they did they which were, they did they, they said, were openly just they had press yeah. conferences and said this is we no. don't want the word mafia represented in this movie <laughs> whether it exists or not we don't want it in there and yeah it was um uh it was kind of touch and go for a while um but so the, Coppola worked on writing the script. Yep. He meticulously di- dissected the book and really has his own film notes into it. And I think he even, in fact, carried the scrapbook with him on set. When that he was his main, that was his Bible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what he used. Yeah. yeah. The budget of the film was originally uh, going to be $2.5 million, which even in the early 70s was was really nothing. No. It's, um, a, it's almost like saying nowadays, here's $10 million to make a movie, which is like... <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, you know yeah, good luck. Yeah, no. Uh, many executives wanted... Well, they wanted to make the film set in modern day to... Right, uh, I remember this conflict. Yeah, yeah, they to wanted, assist with the cost. And um, they wanted to film it in Kansas City. This, I couldn't see uh, no. Vito Corleone wearing a ruffle suit. <laughs> That's right. You know, so, I'm going to go over by the... A ruffled t- out, tan outline suit. Yeah. Big oversized... But neck, let's yeah. shoot him by that field of weed over there. And then Sonny wearing his laser suit. It just wouldn't work. It's not going to... Yeah, it's not going to gel. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and Coppola himself didn't want to... Uh, well, he, he was empathetic about having it in the 40s and 50s he said he didn't want it in the in the modern day he said you know hey it has to be how the novel had it or else this story is not going to work and then the interesting is it doesn't look like it was filmed in the 70s even though it was filmed in the 70s it doesn't look like any i mean sometimes you do like like i would bring out logan's run yeah, it's a sci-fi for the future. It looks seventies. It's it totally even though it's looks supposed the, to be known. Yeah, the hairstyles, everything. The, yeah, you can see things that yeah. give it away for the time that it was made. Where Godfather doesn't. You take away the color of that film and you put it in, in black, and, black white. and white, mm-hmm. and it could have been made by Orson Welles. You right. know, it's it's really that good as far as detail, especially the cars. I love the cars in this movie. That was it, a nice gimmick of the beginning of the film yeah. where you have and I always talk I, I'm gonna repeat myself but you you have the wedding so you introduce all the uh, all the characters and you know their dynamics yes. right away without using much exposition that's true and you show off the cars and you show off the cars the cars are great they're they are they they should be considered a star you know in the cast for this film um and he told he told these executives if you put it in the seventies the the story isn't going to make any sense. You have no. a main character who's a war hero, you know, coming yeah. back from a successful war, right? And that means so much uh, for the time and place that the Godfather said yeah. uh, the emergence of corporate America after World War II. 
Coppola wanted to make a film about because he said this. Okay, so this right. is not me musing. He uh, he wanted to make a metaphor for capitalist America, and the one thing that interested him was around that forties and fifties after World War II, the big resurgence of corporate America, right, coming into its own. Sell all American. Yep, <laughs> and so the forties and the fifties are crucial for the story, and Coppola yep. kind of said the only way I'm going to make this film is if I can show that metaphor. Yep. Yeah. So. All right, so it's got it filmed in the 40s, and yep. what's the next uh, big mark we got here? Well, while that's coming along, Paramount's really losing patience with Coppola. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because to make it period, that means they're going to have to throw more money at it, and the production was dragging due to Coppola increasing demands for more money from the studio and the amount of screen tests that he um, Well, he that's wanted. Paramount's fault because they said everybody that's going to get a role needs yep. to do a screen test. And that's, that's their own, own crutch. <laughs> they didn't trust him. He's too that's young true. of a director to <laughs> do any casting. So they said everybody's going to have their own screen test. Yeah, and, and Coppola, the, he actually said this. This is, this is a quote. Uh, the Godfather was a very unappreciated movie when we were making it. They were very unhappy with it. They didn't like the cast. They didn't like the way I was shooting it. No. I was always on the verge of getting fired, so it was a very nightmarish experience. I had two little kids, and the third was born during that. We lived, which would be Sophia, because yeah. he, uh, she Sophia. played uh, Mary. Um, yeah, the the little boy that gets baptized. Well, if you're making a movie about family, why don't you put your family? <laughs> that's in the right. With yeah. Tally Shires in it, yeah. and uh, the old man that's playing the uh, piano I believe is uh, Coppola's father yeah um, right yeah and uh, he also states um, I was basically frightened that they didn't like it they had as much they as much said that so when it was all over I wasn't at all confident that this was going to be successful and that I'd ever get another job well he does and I, I don't want to Coppola is known to be have anxiety attacks about any movie he's done. If you ever see the yeah. movie, it's a brilliant film, Heart of Darkness, of him making Apocalypse Now. Yeah. That's in full view. Of his anxiety attacks. Yeah. He does and have afterwards. and he's, It's not, I wouldn't have to say, he's, he, he does, he recognizes that yes, he has anxiety he, about that. Um, I, I, th- I think it's a part of his creative process. I yeah. think it's a work through. Well, out of that three, Lucas, and we talked in our prep, uh, Spielberg, Lucas, and Coppola. Coppola is a little more of the creative, artsy guy. He is. Um, Lucas is like like spectacle, likes to film spectacle, he, and Spielberg likes to tell a story. Story. He doesn't care, as long as the story is being told, he doesn't care how we, you know, the angles or the look of it, but Coppola really does. I think you hit the point on each and every one right there. Right. I, I, I I can't add or detract from that. So I want to talk a little bit about the most right. famous screen test, and it was Coppola who actually suggested, I want to get Marlon Brando. Yes. And Marlon Brando at the time, we couldn't get Jerry Cheap because he was had uh, a reputation. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you could say that, yes. Yeah, and the 50s were wonderful for him, and from his behaviors on previous movies that nobody wanted to touch him and nobody wanted to deal with him. And Coppola said... Uh, I won't name names, but the head of Paramount said, Brando will not be in a Paramount picture (laughs) as long as I am president. Right. And um, he kept pressing and finally had three stipulations, right? He had to work for free. Yep. He had to do a screen test. And I can't remember. Maybe he had to do a drug test. Something like a drug test or something like that. Or I can't remember. Yeah, they dragged him through because uh, the uh, the studio didn't want him. yeah. Yeah. And so Coppola went. To his house. I think he just called him up. Hey, you want to just 
right? And yeah, they, and, they, and they did, because you know who the studio wanted instead no. of Brando? Okay. Ernest Borgnine. That's not going to work. <laughs> I know it's not, not going to work. work. Hey, Marty! No, it's, you can't it's have gonna, it's gonna, Ernest You have Borgnine. the size, but you don't right. have the tone. Right. Yeah, a great actor. Yeah. Fantastic no, I'm actor. Just kidding. Marty's not going to... No. Yeah, Marty, Marty is not going to... Try to picture Marty as as right. Vito. Um, so the Coppola went to Marlon Brando's house yep. to do a screen test, and he Mar, uh, Coppola always he knows a- actors. He likes to work with them, and he brought a suitcase of props with him. <laughs> you know, it's little stuff and they can play around with. Yeah. And the first thing he goes first because Marlon had long hair. He was doing. He was part of the whole hippie culture. Oh, that's true. He and, was he was well immersed in that. Yeah, too. and he said um, he want to do this, and he goes yeah. when I came into his house, he already polished his hair black <laughs> and he put, with the shoe polish and he didn't yep. want to cut his hair he put it in a ponytail yep. and he goes well he actually read the story he goes this guy gets shot in the throat i think he should have a raspy voice even to begin with right and um i don't know he's, he's a very accomplished method actor he is um he went to the lee strasberg which eventually Lee Strasberg gets into the movie part two, but he went to this, these method actors studio, very famous studios. Mm-hmm. He's a very accomplished stage actor. And the first thing they teach us method is you have to sign an animal to your role. You ever hear about this? You usually sign something. You know what? No, I haven't. This is really interesting. So, and he knew about signing animals to your role and he assigned bulldog. Okay. A bulldog. And you have to be a, Oh, this is one of those. Yeah. Be a bulldog. Be, act, think about what okay. a bulldog does. And he does. He very small moves. Okay. Very I, small dialogue, very small mannerisms. Right. But he looked like... The, a bulldog. Yeah, he did. He did put the cotton in his mouth. The, 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 yes, the he jowls. did. To look more jowly. Jowly. Yeah. And he, I think he signed like a bulldog-ish to the performance that you see. Wow. But you, you don't intimidate. You don't try to intimidate a bulldog. You try no. to, right? <laughs> That's true. And he also uh, Coppola brought oranges, and he sat there in Marlin's talking about the rolls, he slicing mm-hmm. oranges, and he just, as joking to break it up, he put it in his mouth and, and which like, he used puts in the movie. Yes. He's like, Coppola's like, I think that'll be wonderful. Let's put it in the movie. And that is, and that's beautiful. It's a great scene too. Yes, and I think uh, if you buy, we buy some DVDs, a lot of the screen tests of those actors are available. Including Marlins. Yeah. And there's a few documentaries, too, that I think have them as well. Yeah. And uh, besides Borg and I, they were going to go with possibly George C. Scott, Anthony Quinn, or even Orson Welles. Uh, Which, at the time, even or- Orson Welles could, could, could get cheaply. He was yeah. on his downturn. A- and talk about cheap. They actually, not only did he... Have to do it for, but put up a bond to ensure he would not cause any delays. That's the that's the yeah, third one I was thinking of. That yeah. was the third one. Yep, in production. And uh, Coppola had a Duval in mind, I guess, for Tom Hagen, okay. um, right from the beginning. And that was worked, perfect casting. Yeah, and he worked with Duval with uh, the Rain People. Also worked with Khan, so he knew. And Robert Duval is in George Lucas's THX. TH. That's right. You find yeah. you'll find links. That's true. And for Johnny Fontaine, this is really <laughs> this, this okay. is yeah, now here we're getting the, to the nitty gritty. What, what Vito Corleone says is this yep. horrible music. <laughs> you know, it, this is art imitating life, imitating art. Uh, so the beginning movie is yep. Connie's wedding. Yep, it's and con- he yep. gets one of the top rated performers to go sing at her wedding. That's right. He uh Johnny, Johnny Fontaine, Fontaine plays this uh, Sinatra esque character. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. and the studio at first sought uh sought out 
Al Martino, and that's who indeed gets the role of Johnny Fontaine. Yeah, the, his name is Al Fontaine, who yeah. had a, his own, as he talked about in a prep, had his own career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was a uh, real-life nightclub singer. He knew, you know, he, he was... Uh, uh, he knew Sinatra. He knew uh, Bennett. He was a part of that of that crowd. He, you know, a bit of a um, maybe a second stringer, but he was yeah. he could hold his own. And he, the studio wanted him to get the part. Now, uh, after Coppola became director, Coppola didn't want Martino. Really? No, Coppola right. wanted Vic Damone. <laughs> yes, right. and uh, and he went after Damone. Now. Damone eventually dropped the role. He okay. didn't want a plain, I guess, a Italian American character uh, then, that was basically, you know, an anti, you know, Italian American. He didn't like right. the idea of the mafia. Who knows? Maybe Sinatra talked to Damone and said, "You're not going to do this." Well, one of the things <laughs> that we I discovered is Frank Sinatra harassed everybody but Marlon Brando yes. not to make this movie. Right. He, he personally come up to people, including Pacino, yeah. everybody but Brando, and said, "Stop making yeah, this movie." Yeah, I do not appreciate this. I will sue you. I, I, uh, I, I don't appreciate it. And the reason that he was so hot under the collar was when Puzo wrote it. It's a real life story uh, of what happened to Sinatra. Sinatra, mm-hmm. he Sinatra sang in two bands. He sang with Harry James, yep. and uh, knew him from Jersey, in fact. But then his second band was with Tommy Dorsey, and uh, just like the movie, as Sinatra's career got better and better, uh, he wanted to get out of the contract with Dorsey and. Dorsey wouldn't let him. He said, "No, hey, you know, you yeah, are uh, you're you're a money uh, uh, maker," and right. he was huge. And it was rumored, okay, that some of his friends from Jersey who worked with the syndicate got him out of this. And it was rumored in Hollywood. Now let's go back a few years later, okay? Yeah. And Sinatra's career is a little on the skids. It's after World War II. He's yeah. not doing as well, and he has no. This, the, uh, yeah, the, when the rock and roll came out, yeah, the lounge act kind of, you know, it kind of dissipated, right. and so he needed something that would jumpstart his career again. Well, what right. b- better way to jumpstart his career than a movie? And so he was looking at this role, just like Johnny Fontaine's looking at this movie from Waltz. <laughs> right. And that movie was From Here to Eternity. Oh, Frankie? Yep. Frankie and did. Frank did From Here to Eternity. The director. Didn't want him. This sounds really interesting. The director did not want him. And there again, some of, you know, Sinatra's connections um, got him into that role, which he got an Academy Award for, I believe. Yeah, for here, from here to from, eternity. For, from for here, from uh, bleep, from here to, to eternity. eternity. The other side character was George Reeves. Superman was in from here to eternity. That's right, he, he was. was. Right, yeah. Yeah. Good, goodness gracious. All so, right. Well, this is actually a pretty good time to take a little break okay and we're gonna refill our uh diet cokes and, and then, i'm not done with martino yet i still right. have this we're gonna, finish out martino. We're gonna we'll put the we'll hang up everybody we'll get the clothes on of what the conclusion of martino was yes we're gonna leave a cliffhanger <laughs> all right hey you yeah you what are you doing after you finish this great podcast you're listening to? Well, whatever it is, you're going to blow that off and listen to the IMDB Journey podcast instead, hosted by Daniel, that's me, and Dean, that's me. Join us on our journey as we tackle the IMDB Top 250 list, breaking down one movie a week, giving our own rankings as we go, as well as our incredibly intelligent and insightful thoughts too. <laughs> 
We also throw in a random quiz or movie battle every once in a while and have a punt on it. Because us Aussies, we love a good punt. Oh, Daniel, this is a G-rated promo. You can't say that. I said punt, Dean. Punt. Uh... You dickhead. So come join us on the journey by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast apps. And follow us on Twitter at IMDB Journey. And now back to your regular scheduled programming. Hey folks, Big E here with some breaking news. My podcast, Karaoke Big E, was just named the number one karaoke podcast of all time. Don't believe me? Well, you shouldn't. That category definitely does not exist. My co-host Kevmo and I are in a league of our own when it comes to podcasts. So why don't you check out the world's best, well, probably only, karaoke podcast. Karaoke Big E. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or, or wherever else you get your podcast. Or you can check us out at karaokebiggie.com. Come on by every Tuesday and give us a listen. And remember, you can't be a star if you don't shine. All right, we're back. And you finish up the whole um, Johnny Fontaine Oh, thing. yes. Uh, all right. <laughs> well, uh, you know how I was telling you about Vic Damone and yeah. about El Martino yeah. and how... Well, Damone, basically the story was he didn't want, well, his official story is he didn't want the role for Johnny Fontaine. Uh, now, how Martino says it, this is true, this is coming, my hand to God, this is what Martino says, that after being stripped of the role by Coppola, uh, he went to his godfather. Uh-huh. <laughs> Martino of did. He, of course he did. Yeah. Crime boss Russ Buff. Buffalino. Mm-hmm. So if this is true, I don't know. Maybe a little, you know, PR. Whatever. It's it's interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It it, 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 it's, course, yeah. It, it's part of the legend. So uh, he uh, basically he said that uh, Buffalino orchestrated the publication of news articles of how Coppola was unaware of the studio. Uh, giving Martino the part, and coupled with the pressure from the mafia, who felt Martino deserved the role, in the end, Martino got the role of Johnny Fontaine. And I, I just <laughs> wanted, because we're talking about just the beginning of the movie and you have the whole wedding scene. Yes. That was all, even though there's some lines of dialogue, the whole wedding thing was improvised. Yeah. He st- shot the guerrilla style of just act natural, act like a family. Obviously, we have to get some things involved. You know, Richard Conte telling the guy to get rid of the camera, which is a nice <laughs> yep. camera. Gosh, dang. Oh, I know. It's a, well, it's an antique, yeah. And then um, I think his, uh, was his name, uh, Luca Bratz's the guy who was actually Professor Rustler was so nervous about saying his lines in front of Brando, they put it in the movie. Right. He's, of him saying his line with the index cards. And it was a nice way of showing um, Kate. Yep. And Michael, who's that guy? Why is he? Re- He's a very scary introdu- guy. Without doing exposition, you get an introduction of Kate <laughs> yep. and Michael. Nothing. And everything's natural. Right. Everything is, it's like you are a member of this wedding party. And yeah. you get to be introduced to the dramatis personae, which is um, really Yeah, nice. it had specific vignettes, but it's very much guerrilla style. And it's nice to know that He's so well and uh, uh, so well respected, Vito, that only a few people are allowed in his room. Right. Even though the wedding is going on, yep. <laughs> and he's only allowed. He very people you get screened into. Talk, That's talk true. To. It's it's yeah. who you know. It's the most exclusive. Club the other in thing the world. I was, in my brain and I know about is Mar- the cat Marlon Brando was a stray that was on the film lot. That really? Marlon Brando picked up. It was a complete stray, <laughs> and the only person that cat liked was Marlon. Yeah. And everybody said that cat had an attitude, just like Marlon. Yeah. And, anybody, <laughs> and so I think Marlon even liked him. Yeah. And his cat just 
naturally went right up to Marlon, and he used him as a prop. He has the, this great rapport with it, the cats. And you realize how he has a nice respect for the animals, but yep. some people he just doesn't care about. It's a nice <laughs> contrast to the character. It's true. Yeah, the, definitely. The, it's one of those nice things. The cat was a stray. Yeah. <laughs> just like Tom Hagen. <laughs> right, right. Tom Hagen was a stray. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He had no home, and they brought him in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is the greatest line in the movie that however, anybody knows what Tom, when Michael says, you're out, Tom. He goes, but your, your father treated me like a son. Yeah. Like you and Sonny. That's right. That's <laughs> Completely right. omits. Right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, but. Uh, All right. Yeah. Moving on. Um, now, as far as casting the others, Robert De Niro, who at the time really, he really was not that well known. This is even before Mean Streets with right. uh, Scorsese. Yeah. He was slated to get the part of Polly Gatto, who was the uh, the snitch that would, uh, that, you know, well, what Sonny says. He, you know, yeah. he, he snitched think, out I the think, man, the old Well, I think Robert... Uh, Audition for everything. Yes, I think he, he yeah. auditioned for Sonny, auditioned, and then Coppola just did really. Yeah. He goes, I like a guy, but maybe next movie. And and which, which is the truth. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so uh, De Niro went on to, well, he did The Gang That Didn't Shoot Straight, you know, which unfortunately not many people have seen. No, that's a really obscure. That's far more yeah, obscure than Mean Streets. That, that is. Uh, now, for Michael, the studio wanted. Now, this is what gets me right, right. here. Uh, for Michael, the studio wanted a popular actor, either. Like, I remember it's Ryan O'Neill. Yes, they wanted uh, Ryan, Ryan O'Neill. An Irishman, or, huh? Yes, or Robert Redford uh, or Warren Beatty. You know, three of these guys you would not mistake for an Italian, right. you know, but they wanted them because they had star appeal. And I think Focola, uh, Coppola, God, Coppola, Ford yep. Coppola, uh, seen Al do. Stage work. Yes, and he, he did. And he thought he could do yep. a wonderful performance for stage work. And for uh, what I remember, Al was very nervous doing scenes with Marlon. And you can kind yes. of see it. Even he, when he, when Marlon's in the hospital, that Al Pacino had a very tough time doing scenes with Marlon Brando. This is his idol. Yeah. He, <laughs> these uh, actors, these young actors, him, Khan, they grew up but idolizing But Coppola said, man. it's going to work great. Your your father's almost yeah. dead. You're good. Of course you could be nervous going up to him. Yeah, he's, a, he's a father. He's a patriarchal figure. It's going to work you know? out great. So you're going to be nervous? Yes, be nervous. Let's use it in the movie. You're going to be nervous. Of yeah. course. Yeah, we'll use it. Yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's, that's yeah. great. Uh, and... Uh, the thing is, is that, uh, Co- yeah, Coppola wanted Pacino. He said, I can see this guy in Sicily. He'll just blend right in. That's yeah. what I want. You get, and he was fighting with the studio again, saying, hey, if you get somebody like Redford, you get somebody like O'Neill, who's just Obviously, going to be a name to put on there, yeah. but it's just not going to. They're, it's going to be their movie, yeah. and they're going to distract. They're going to take it away, and believe me, you're going to have every Italian-American going, what the heck is that, uh, you know, right. <laughs> that Wonder Bread doing up there trying to be Italian? The other thing about casting is Ashley Coppola used old B actors, not really carrying a movie, not big mm-hmm. stars, but very accomplished character actors like Sterling, uh, Sterling Hayward. Yes, for the cop who was in uh, the greatest performance was Colonel Jack Ripper and Oh uh, Doctor Strangelove. Yes, and the very famous <laughs> film noir actor Richard Conte. Yes, who plays the I forget the who eventually. Oh, uh- I can't remember his character's name. The one that actually goes and hires all the people to go after the Corleones. Oh, Barzini. Barzini. He yes. plays Barzini. Richard Conte had a wonderful 
full career of making B movies, being the tough guy, yeah, being a rascal. He, and he, what, it, Brask, what's mm-hmm. his name again? I got, um, oh, uh, um, uh, we talking about Richard uh, Conti's character. Yeah, Bazzini. Bazzini. I yeah. can't, but he, it's very much a lucky Luciano kind of guy. Yes, he is. He, you can tell that he is, he's very smooth. He's very elegant. Very small. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. He's, very small. he's, is, far, it, he's, it's, this, it's lucky Luciano. Yeah. He's far more elegant than, uh, than Vito Corleone. In right. fact, a lot of the original mafiosi, the Dons, yeah. you know, looked at uh, Corleone, um, looked at Brando's character, said, you know, a Don wouldn't look that way. He looks like a, a schlub. You know, he's, right. you know, when he's going picking, you know, oranges, his, yeah, right. his tie is you know, loose. It looks like he's missing a button. He's, it's his clothes are wrinkled. No, it. Don's were impeccably dressed. They were, you know, right. and so. Which which shows Richard Conte's character immediately. You tell you that yes, this guy. He is a Don. Yeah. He is. I just love that elegant. he just snaps his finger. Hey, that guy took my picture. Yes. He snaps his finger. And- Get that camera. Then they go do it. Yes. That, um, you know, if Don Corleone has all the politicians in his pocket, he must pay. <laughs> After all, we're not communists. And one of the, th- one of the nice things about this um, movie is, and we're strained, but it does explain to you, but actually there's a Trinity alliance with Corleone, Clemenza, and Tessio. That's yes. how it starts. The they Kappa have, regimes. They have a, a network together. Yeah. And then the Clemenza works with the Corleone family. Tessio works with the Corleone family. But that's how the empire started. They work right. together to get this moving. They're the major. They're the major. They're the capos, and yeah. which means captains. And that they both have these large crews. Right. That they um, also have their own. Yeah. Own yeah. Assigned crews. That's true. And yep. it. Uh, so. Um, well, the. Paramount didn't like the idea of Pacino playing Sonny. Why? Uh, because of heightism. Uh, of Pacino they playing was, Michael. He, Michael, he yes. Playing Michael, okay. Because he was too short. They didn't like that idea. Well, he is. I mean, and he is short, but. So is Richard Conte. Yeah. They didn't care. And Dustin Hoffman it's, and Martin Sheen. Are but it's short. always, you have to like, well, you have to pick on the obvious. Well, he's just too short. Yeah. So it's just, <laughs> you know. It, the thing is, is that when you see the film, you don't notice it. I don't notice it. Right. Yeah. And um, they gave, at first, they were going to give James Caan Michael. Um, and Coppola didn't like that. He wanted to keep Caan, but he wanted Caan to be Sonny. He said, you know, Sonny, he's a brawler. You right. know, he's he's a hothead. And I think that Caan would be perfect for that. He did. Yeah. Where Michael's more brooding. And uh, he, I could not, you know, I, I could not see Khan as Michael. I right, couldn't, I couldn't see know, him reverse no. their casting. Right. It was brilliant how it was, and that was all Coppola is doing. Now, do you, obviously, we're talking about the men, but do you have any notes about the, how they get the women or anything like that, or um, uh, John Cazeal? Uh, John Cazeal, uh, Coppola saw him in a play and uh. Uh, was very impressed with his work, and... Um, they he, he was he was willing to do it and uh um Kazil, it was just an absolute natural i mean he's uh he he went too soon it's such a shame he right he, the he, only person you don't want around he's the one escorting dad it yeah is, it's oh, him Fredo, yeah. yes <laughs> of course he's the one and he can't even get his gun out right? i know right. <laughs> paul he's a good kid i don't mind getting the car i mean yeah he's uh 
you know, he, he's unfortunately Fredo is is kind of the village idiot of the Corleones. In fact, yeah. there's a joke made in it in Analyze This where Billy Crystal has that dream and he's mm. telling it to Robert De Niro, mm. who's, who's I'm the, and De Niro's going, hey, wait a second, I'm Fredo? <laughs> yeah, you're Fredo. No, I'm not. I, no, I'm not Fredo. <laughs> <laughs> but a person is an actor, yes, John Cazeal. He yeah. only did four movies, uh, Deer Hunter, um, uh, Dog Day Afternoon, noon, Godfather, uh, Deer one, Hunter, and two. Deer Hunter is probably best. One. Yeah. And, well, I think Godfather 2 is probably. God, yeah. Gosh, yeah. It's um, Godfather Two. When we get to Godfather Two, we have to talk about him. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. And uh, he he had terminal cancer when he was uh, filming uh, Deer Hunter, and he 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 went from us way too soon, way too soon. Just no. uh, yeah. uh, it's amazing what he could have, you know. Look at what he gave us, and just four what, films that yeah, would I actually know. probably one of the great. Some of the all four films are in like just, AFI's top one hundred. Oh yeah, I that know. are that are culturally significant. Right. <laughs> It's amazing. What a what a you know to have that. Okay. When they were when they were filming, they finally got the filming together. Um, Principal's filming, right? Yeah. They didn't want Coppola didn't want to have any devices, no helicopters, no crane shots, no zoom lens. Really, um, that's called second unit photography, and he yeah. really to keep budget. Probably is a smart move not to do uh, second unit. He uh, just yeah. Photography. He just wanted a filming tableau format of like you were looking at a painting you know and right. he said i want to work with shadowing and i want to work with lights and to and to um have the communication of that shadowing to represent the psycho the psychological things that are going on with the scenes right yeah and uh i th- with the development of the story and i it, it worked uh, beautiful. He he did a lot of different things too. For instance, if you remember Michael, and he goes into the hospital, yes, and uh, he's trying to. He notices that the detectives aren't there, and that you know people to protect his father, men to protect his father are not there. Well, that that's a very interesting shot. How yeah, it is cheaply. Well, let's get everybody out of the hospital, and it's right. a nice way to save it's budget. True. They have nobody staff. Right, yeah. And it's he's absolutely alone. It's just that one nurse and you have you have this foreboding in the scene and what does Coppola do? You can hear in the background it's like there's this record player yep. that is repeating itself. Elle elle you can't make out what it's saying, but it just repeats and repeats and it's unnerving. You get a feeling you're in a mental hospital and the scene is just very claustrophobic. And it sets up the fear that that you fear for Michael because he's he's like, oh my God, there's men here to kill my father. What do I do? <laughs> and and all of that, the the sound and and everything. Uh, Coppola was very psychological with uh, making Godfather, and it it worked to his advantage in, in that. It, it's a very and I you know that we talk about themes and tones, and everybody talks about family, and everybody mm-hmm. knows all the lines and everything. I see it, and I wrote my essay, and I see it as a transition film. Obviously, Vito Corleone knows one of these guys is going to have to take over the business. It's not going to be Fredo. I'm going to send him yeah. to Vegas. And <laughs> yep. Enjoy yourself in Vegas, and <laughs> until we want Mo Green out of it, I see it as transition. Yeah. And the first thing we notice is Tom telling you have to get a narcotics. Or we're going to be dead. Yeah. And Vito's like, no, no I, I don't, don't want to do, do that. that. Yeah. And that's a horrible thing to be involved. And he goes, if we don't do it now, 
we're going to be done for. And it's a very, I took that line as one of the most elegant things of, of transition of a theme to that movie because, and it happens with Michael taking over. It transitions yeah. are constantly a thing of it, of Michael marrying somebody else. And now he has to come back to Kate. And, that's that's you know, true. And, you know, Sonny and then Connie's involvement of, not, you know, I love. And, yep. I, yeah, and so and the, it's a transitional film for me. It yeah, and it it is I believe for the characters too. I right. believe. I, well, it's a breakup of the the trinity of yeah. Tessio, Clemenza, and yep. Corleone. That's the movie is actually the the breakup of it. And it it goes from what uh, the Don was doing initially, which he he states to um, Salozzo, you know, yep. um, okay, so I'm in gambling, you know, and and women, which you know, hey. You can consider it a harmless vice, you know, but drugs is a dirty business. And he wanted to draw a line somewhere, um, you know, to to keep it legitimate and keep it clean to a certain extent, which with the sign of the times, the transition, if you will, he couldn't do. He would he was unable to do because he wouldn't be able to compete with the other families. Uh, what does that sound like? Well, that sounds like corporate, you right. know, and yeah. that's what um, Coppola wanted to express. And uh, I, I believe you're right with um, – I, I think that with Michael, the character of Michael, most gangster films were made from the point of view of the outsider. Right. Like when they uh, – when oh, Cagney. It's yeah. Cagney. It's just yeah. – one of the we, – we talked about in one of our discussions is this is a gangster film that you can't have Cagney in it. Right. It, this That's is not true. a gangster film of just, just mindless – Right, grumblings of you know, and there's always a moral. There's always, but at least there's a moral ground to like, hey, Cagney's brother in um, Public Enemy. You know, you have this moral ground that that grounds yeah. you. That it's like, hey, I'm gonna put you down, brother. You know, and right. so the the movie always would have, oh, angels with dirty faces. You had there's a there's a sense of little juvenile yeah. to the criminal guys, and your you the uh. The story's not forcing you to to empathize with no. the criminal. They want you to empathize with Cagney's brother, or they want to em- want you to empathize with the priest in Angels with Dirty Faces. It's always the outsider mm-hmm. that we're going to take a look. Do you notice the crime? Do you notice that? Well, you're not the crime. You know, we're we're visualizing the, right. you know visualizing this as part of the crowd. Godfather doesn't do that. Well, no. Godfather doesn't sense because. Uh, who's the outsider? Michael. But what happens? It turns itself on his head. Michael becomes the right. criminal, and and the, it, it's not the other way around. It's almost a shock when he's, you finally see him sit there and start giving out orders and commands, and he's very assured of himself right. when you didn't see that at all. Well, and all of a sudden, it's like a light switch. And he, very, yeah, yeah, it's true. He's, in fact, when he first suggests, you know, hey, I'll shoot them both. And it, the laughter doesn't come from Santee. It comes from Clemenza, right. the oldest, most learned man in the room. Right. You know, probably remember, you know, uh, Michael when he was, you know, uh, you know, probably soiling his clothes when he was a baby. So he, he gets a chuckle out of this. Like, yeah, what yeah. are you going to do? You know, young college boy. And that's it, another gimmick I love. It. It's the, the restaurant that has the old-fashioned toilet. Yes. Where you pull the lever from above because yep. it doesn't have water pressure. That's That the true. water comes down. Down to, to push it out. <laughs> and we'll put the gun in there. Yep. And... I, I love those little those those little nuggets. It's yeah. beautiful. That tells you that even though this is a period piece made in the 70s, that it'll even reflect to a, 
earlier time. If you look at, uh, if you want to study uh, shooting a film, the whole dinner scene of Michael with the corrupted cop and the uh, oh, and Soloso. Soloso. Yeah, it shot a very much of a blue and red. And blue and red. If you look at the yeah. outside, it's very blue, but inside the restaurant, there's hints of red and orange, and it was, the cinematography was oh, just dynamite. It, there is, n- there's not one scene in that whole film where it's like a mistake or no. not f- thought out, you know, right. in in detail. Well, I don't. Uh, well, before we carry on, his name is uh, Gordon Willis. He was Coppola's yes. uh, uh, cinematographer. He has a nickname. And he, he was what, he was a, he was Oscar nominated like seven times I believe, and I think he might have won for two. But he was nicknamed was the Prince of Darkness because he was able to shoot light and darkness masterfully. Oh, absolutely beautiful! <laughs> right. That's true. I mean, any other film you would say, "Hey, there's what's wrong with the contrast? Fix this dang thing." You right. don't want that with Godfather. It's those quiet, dark rooms. And before we carry on, I just want to yeah. mention films that he uh, Gordon Willis shot. Um, the Devil's Own with Harrison Ford. He did All the President's oh. Men, Windows, The Parallax View. Oh, um, Godfather with, uh, with one, two, Warren Beatty. Uh, with Warren Beatty, yeah. uh, Godfather one, two, and three. Yep. So he worked with um, Manhattan, which Woody Harrelson's is that Woody Harrelson's Manhattan? Manhattan. I'm yeah. thinking that's Woody Allen's Manhattan. Woody Allen. Yes, again, and that's Woody. in black and white. That's in black and white. Yes. so he was shot that. That's I would love to talk about that film. I, I'm, a, I'm <laughs> yeah. a Woody Allen fan, so uh, I like just dropping it. So okay. we, for the listeners, know eventually what's going <laughs> to be coming. I'm rubbing my hands together. Ooh, Woody, Woody Allen, Allen right, Woody yeah. Allen. All right. Uh, and then he did, but you know, Gordon was able to like you know pick up artists or the Money Pit. So he yes. just it's very he was very much could do almost any kind of thing. He did the film. Money Pit? Yes. Did. Oh, my God. He Richard was, ben- Benjamin's The Money Pit. He, oh was, uh, he was the cinematographer God. for that, yeah. Oh, that, okay. All right. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm salivating. Okay. All right, well, back to... That was a technical... <laughs> the yeah, but I love the technical... I love cinematography. Yes, probably. and yeah. uh, he, he was a master at it. And know. if you want to get a foreshadowing of cinematography is the color orange. In fact, using oranges eventually in the orange garden. Yeah. It's almost a foreshadowing of what's going to come for Vito. It's amazing in the movie Godfather, and I'm going to touch this on Godfather 2, Godfather 3. It's not just Godfather, but everywhere in that film, Coppola has a representation of oranges. oranges. They're always a pivotal part of the movie. They are. uh, When, and just, you know, for small talk, you know, when Hagen is talking to Waltz and he's trying to convince him uh, that Johnny Fontaine should get that picture. They're dining and the first time that you see the movie, you'd miss it. You know, there's a bowl uh, of (laughs) oranges. Who cares? Okay. You know, the second scene of of oranges. Vito's going out and what's he shopping for? He's shopping for oranges. oranges. There's boxes with oranges represented all over the place. You know, um, it is the color is very much dominated in the movie too. It is. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sonny will wear an orange suit quite often. Yeah, and uh, the um, uh, finally Vito's demise when he's uh, with his grandson. What's he do? Right. He opens up. He peels an orange, puts it in his mouth, and it kills the poor man. <laughs> so uh, moving on. Yes. Uh, well, from 
there, my my notes get rather thin, but <laughs> well, we're good. Yeah. yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there pretty close. To That's there. true. It, uh, you know, uh, dealing with Godfather itself, uh, a huge success, and you wouldn't think that Coppola should have had anything to worry about, even though he did, um, considering that it's um, by many critics. Uh, including many filmmakers. Stanley Kubrick considered it the best film ever made and probably one of the most perfectly produced films. And he was an articulate, tedious (laughs) filmmaker... Preparation. It, what, it took him like seven years to make. Every time he made a movie, it took him seven years to make it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, Spielberg talked about that when he uh, was working on the notes for uh, Artificial Intelligence, which was yeah. basically um, Kubrick's recipe and Spielberg in the kitchen, <laughs> if and you want to call it that. I highly <laughs> regard Coppola, and he's done a lot of excellent films. In fact, I really do like his Dracula movie. I, I, you know, so do I. And I know what's um, missing is really an authentic soul to the movie. Yeah. It looks beautiful. Uh, it's acted beautiful. The costume, everything about that Ford Coppola's Dracula movie is wonderful, but oh. it just has not that power that makes you care about anything that's going on. It is... I, I, I find myself such an apologist for that movie because I do love that film. I find it... And it's, it's really beautifully, true to the book. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, and it's... Be- I consider it beautifully made. But I think that when it came to Bram Stoker's Dracula, Coppola was so concerned yeah. with the beauty of the film that I think he, he forgot to... Uh, make it frightening you know the basic right. yeah the basics uh core of stoker terrifying you and know? this read started uh brando he did get an oscar a winner for this he did win an oscar for the second yes, time yes he right? did yep. second time which is my favorite performance is on the waterfront he uh refused it um because of the the treatment of uh native americans and film right, he didn't attend the oscars he didn't attend the of oscar of course he did a brando move of <laughs> yeah. theatrics and, and oh you betcha yes. you know and he would go on to do and we talked about it uh, before we go uh george reeves was in um from here to eternity but he yes, was he also was. was in uh what other i can't remember but he we're talking about he Superman. was in Gone with the Wind. Gone, the one that we just George talked about. just Gone with the Wind. Yep. We missed that. But um, Superman connection to the, the Godfather <laughs> is Mario Puzo wrote the screenplay for Superman. That's right. And Jorel is Marlon Brando. Mar- Marlon Brando. Yeah, who got and, a million dollars. Yeah, and I'm sure that if uh, the Godfather, if the Godfather didn't go anywhere, uh, I'm I'm certain Puzo would not Maybe have been done. able to uh, right. <laughs> be the scriptwriter for Superman. Or that classic film Earthquake with Charlton Heston and, and other people. It catapulted other people's careers, and it yes. kind of highlighted others. I mean, Robert Duvall had a, he still has a wonderful career. Mm. Diane Keaton was making movies. Um, Taylor Shire will probably play Adrian. Yep, upcoming, and Al Pacino. We all know what happened to Al. Yep, we. <laughs> that's true. Uh, James Caan. Uh, it. Uh, it started everybody. It was a wonderful. Oh surprise, yeah, and I think it's, it's more nobody was more surprised than Coppola himself. Absolutely, it was like, oh my god, you know, uh, I, I must have went right. Yeah, he was he was very humble when he. It's almost like at the producers. It. Where did we go right? <laughs> yeah, where did we go right? <laughs> <laughs> he he was really expecting it to fall on his face. He right. was there was not one point that he was confident with that film until it premiered, and then he was like, oh my god, you know, uh, thank God that this happened. So I. We're about ready to go, and I'm going to do my famous Minnesota connection with The Godfather, and I dug deep, and I, I, after after I found this, I 
I kind of shuffle. I've been waiting for this too. Well, I followed it in my brain. I knew about (laughs) this, but then I was like, yes, that is true. Marlon Brando used to go to Shattuck St. Mary's School in Minnesota. Really? Before he got kicked out for being incorrigible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I can see that. (laughs) That's what happened. He attended one year at the male boarding school of Shattuck St. Mary in Minnesota for one year before he got kicked out. Mr. Christian! Well, what do you know? Yes, <laughs> that's so. great. Uh, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you very much Thank for you. listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, obviously, we're going to have to continue on with uh, future episodes. We'll yes. talk about part two our, and part, part yep. three. So. Our next episode, we will talk about Godfather part two. We were planning on doing the whole saga in one episode. But forget, we can't. there's podcasts dedicated oh, just to the I Godfather. I know. I mean, it's just, there's too much to cover. It's, there, like it's a, just it's impossible. Like, it's like a going into a restaurant. It's just too much. Yeah. You got too much. It's too much. So we wanted to give each film the respect it deserves. And so that's going to take a lot of time. And <laughs> right. so we'll see you with Godfather 2. Can you face these feelings you lack? You left your love and now you can't come back. Your broken heart is going to bleed your soul. Yeah, yeah.